0: <laughs> and laughs. Theater of the mind. The best love programs from radio's golden age. Only on Zoomer Radio. Now, here is your master storyteller, Frank Proctor.
1: Well, thank you, and welcome to the show. I'm afraid I don't have much time to chat this evening, but just let me squeeze in the fact that we start the show tonight with an episode of Our Miss Brooks that we've never aired before. And uh, time-wise, we're a little late, too. It's entitled April Fool's Day. Enjoy.
2: Our Miss Brooks, starring Eve Arden. English at Madison High School has always tried to get along with her fellow faculty members, regardless of whether they're male or female.
3: One thing that school teachers of either sex have in common is the fact that he, she, or them was, is, and are underpaid. But there is one definite advantage held by the men. When a male schoolteacher hasn't enough money to go to the movies, he can stay home and look at the pictures on his Esquire calendar. (laughs) I've overcome that advantage to some slight extent by making my own calendar. I've used 12 snapshots, one for each month, of Madison's bashful biologist, Philip Boynton. There they are, right on my bedroom wall. January. Mr. Boynton in his up-to-the-minute raccoon coat. (laughs) February. Mr. Boynton on Valentine's Day with a big red heart-shaped box under his arm containing flies for his frog, McDougal.
4: <laughs> then
3: March. Mr. Boynton in plus fours, a striped blazer, and a three-propeller beanie.
4: <laughs>
3: Last Friday morning, when I tore the page for March off my calendar, there was Mr. Boynton with his arms around me. So I knew it was April Fool's Day. <laughs> My landlady, Mrs. Davis, knocked on my door a moment later.
5: Come in. Good morning,
3: Connie. Many happy returns of the day. Thanks, Mrs. Davis. Happy April Fool's Day to you.
6: Oh, what time is it, anyway? I'm still sleepy. It's almost seven, Connie. I've been up for hours planning little tricks to play on people. Well, I hope you're not going
3: to be as naughty as you were last year. Setting firecrackers off in our yard to make everybody think it was Fourth of July.
6: (laughs) Oh, that was fun, wasn't it? Yes, until one of your pinwheels joined me in the shower. <laughs> <laughs> well, see now, I came up here to tell you something rather important. Oh, dear me, whenever I talk to my sister Angela, I become almost as absent minded as she is. We had quite a conversation on the phone this morning. How is Angela? Fine, thank you. But she's so flighty. Why, right in the middle of our telephone conversation, she forgot that she was talking about completely. I'm worried about her. It's like I was telling my brother the other day, we've got to do something, I said.
3: You've got to do something? About what?
6: (laughs) I was just repeating
3: what you said to your brother. Which brother? (laughs) I don't know. Your brother Victor, I guess. I guess so. Well... (laughs) beautiful day, isn't it? Mrs. Davis, you came in here to tell me something. Now try and remember what it was so I can take a shower and get dressed and forget about it. Oh, yes. One of your
6: students is waiting for you in the living room, Walter Denton. Walter Denton? What's he doing here so early? All right, Connie, I'll tell him. (laughs) What? Poor thing, she's got so much on her mind She can't concentrate Hi, Mrs. Davis Walter, what are you doing here?
5: You just left me here, Mrs. Davis Oh, and you went in to see Miss Brooks Oh, oh uh, that reminds me What are you doing here so early? Well, it's a big secret, Mrs. Davis But I'll tell you if you promise to keep it strictly confidential I promise You won't forget now I won't forget what now? <laughs> to keep it confidential To keep what confidential (laughs) I guess it's safe with you (laughs) Look at this newspaper column The one called Dorothy Daly's Daily Advice to the Heart Sore Oh, I read that all the time You never read a letter Like this one, though, I'll bet Listen Dear Dorothy Daly I teach English in high school But my chief interest Lies in a fellow teacher Of the opposite sex Whose initials are PB No matter how I try I can't seem to make Any progress with him I'm attractive without being ravishing, intelligent without being stuffy, cheerful without being a Pollyanna, but mostly I'm without PB. (laughs) Can you help me sign
6: CB? Well, I certainly sympathize with that young lady, but, uh, now wait a minute. Connie Brooks. Walter, do you think the CB in this letter could be the CB I think the CB could be? I'm positive it is. Look who she's stuck on. PB, Philip Boynton. Oh, but Walter, PB could stand
5: for anybody. Why, it could stand for Paul Bunyan. <laughs> Mrs. Davis, you're closer to Miss Brooks than any of us. Does she know anybody named Paul Bunyan? No, not that I know of. Well, then there you are. She's got to be
6: C.B. But, Walter, do you honestly think Miss Brooks would write a letter like this to a
5: public newspaper? Well, sure. Mrs. Davis, haven't you heard the famous epigram Love in its desperation turns to many strange devices?
4: <laughs>
5: no, Walter. Who said that? I did. <laughs> Look, Mrs. Davis, we won't embarrass Miss Brooks by mentioning it in front of her, but we've got to try and help her. Uh, listen to Dorothy Daly's answer to Miss Brooks Dear CB, come out of your shell, improve your personality, and don't be afraid to be the life of the party. Then watch your Mr. PB sit up and take notice. Yours for nailing them down before they can wriggle off the hook, Dorothy Daly. <laughs> There's our problem, Mrs. Davis. We've got to give Miss Brooks a personality. I never noticed that she didn't have any. Now remember, Mrs. Davis, not a word to a soul. Of course, I've told Harriet Conklin so she can tell her father he has to give a party tonight, which Miss Brooks can go to and be the life of. Turn. <laughs> That's pretty short notice, isn't it? That's why we have to wake her up so early. This new personality's a rush job. Oh, careful, here she comes. Hiya, CB, how's everything? Okay? Well, no, W.D., it's N.G.
3: (laughs) N.G.? I didn't get enough S-L-E-E-P. What? Sorry, (laughs) S-L-E-A-P.
5: Oh, sleep! (laughs) If you'll excuse me, I'll get some breakfast for us. I'll call you when it's ready. All right, Mrs. Davis. Now then, Walter, what's the crisis? Crisis? Oh, there's no crisis. I just thought it would be nice
3: to have a little chat. In the middle of the night? Now look, Walter, this April Fool's business leaves me pretty
5: cold, so if you're playing any pranks... Oh, this has nothing to do with April Fool, Miss Brooks. It's just that I've been making a study of personalities lately, and I've come to the conclusion that we should all come out of our shell. Good, but let's not come out until eight o'clock in the morning. <laughs> Now, there's nothing like parlor magic to make anybody the life of the party. Uh, For instance, have you seen the disappearing quarter trick? Look, I hold this quarter between my thumb and third finger like this. Then I make a few magic passes, and presto! Where's the quarter? On the floor. (laughs) I haven't practiced enough yet, but a trick like this you could learn easy. I could learn it easily. I knew you'd go for it. here, take the quarter in your left hand. Look,
3: Walter, making money disappear is no trick for a schoolteacher. Let's get some way to make some appear, then we'll have something. <laughs> breakfast is ready. Oh, come on into the dinette, Walter.
6: Just sit right down. You sit here, Walter. Thanks, Mrs. Davis. Bring your juice first, and I'll bring the rest out in a minute. All right, Mrs. Davis. That's funny. This is orange
3: juice. What's funny about that? The last breakfast Mrs. Davis prepared for me began with marinated olive juice. <laughs>
5: please, all right. Oh, say, I just thought of another great party trick. It's called the spoon and the empty glass trick. Here, I've got two spoons right here. Now, I place the back of one behind the front of the other, and by means of leverage, plop it right into the empty glass. So... Empty. It is now. Of course my lap isn't as empty as it was. Don't <laughs> so let it upset you, Miss Brooks. One of the truest things ever said is the quotation: "A damp garment should not dampen the spirits of the wearer." Who said that? I did. <laughs> Here we are. Now,
6: Connie, I want to surprise you. Close your eyes before I put this food down in front of you. Go ahead now. Please close them tight. All right, Mrs. Davis, they're closed. There. Now, before you open them, guess what we've got for breakfast.
3: Uh, salmon patties fried in Cointreau? <laughs> no, I ran
6: out of Cointreau. <laughs> Try again. Uh, wheat cakes and ravioli? <laughs> no. Uh, I guess you better give up. Open your eyes. Why, what's
3: this? Plain scrambled eggs, toast and coffee? That's right,
4: Connie. April April <laughs> Fool!
2: Look, starring Eve Arden will continue in just a moment, but first, here is Vern Smith. Want to win $49,000 in cash? That's right, $49,000 in cash. The first prize offered by the makers of Palm Olive Soap in their big, exciting 49 Gold Rush Contest. Second prize, $4,900. And there are 4,949 other cash prizes. What a chance to win. $100,000 in cash prizes, and it's easy to enter. Simply finish this sentence, I like palm olive soap because, in 25 words or less. That's all. Just 25 words or less to finish the sentence, I like palm olive soap because. Then mail your entry right away along with a palm olive soap wrapper. Easy, isn't it? And remember, thousands will strike it rich in this big 49 gold rush contest. Enter as often as you like. Get entry blanks and complete rules from your dealer, or send your entries on plain paper with your name and address and dealer's name and address, plus one palm olive wrapper for each entry. Mail to Gold Rush Contest, Box 49, New York 8, New York. You better write that down. Gold Rush Contest, Box 49, New York 8, New York. But hurry, your last chance. Contest closes next Saturday. Get palm olive soap right away to help win a lovelier complexion. And try for your share of the $100,000 in cash prizes. Well, Walter Danton's moving full speed ahead in his efforts to aid CB. Take Dorothy Daly's advice concerning PB. Let's look in now on another of the conspirators, Harriet Conklin, as she speaks to her father in the principal's office.
7: So all you have to do, Daddy, is to invite this party to the party when she comes by this morning.
8: But I don't see any reason for it, Harriet. I'm getting sick and tired of this constant round of parties. One mad whirl after another.
7: Daddy, the last party you gave was on Thanksgiving. Oh, this is vital, Daddy. I can't go into embarrassing details, but we've got to bring somebody out of herself. Oh, you've just got to invite Miss Brooks to our party.
8: Miss Brooks? But she has a party every day, all day long. It
7: only way because of her pleasant exterior. Believe me, there are days when her heart is sorely beset beneath that gay surface and lies in her bosom like a dead thing. (laughs) see Miss Brooks now.
8: Well, I won't go through with it, Harriet. I absolutely refuse Listen, to have any...
7: Daddy, you promised Mother you'd go on a diet, didn't you?
8: Yes, but what has that got to if do you with... If you don't our...
7: invite Miss Brooks to our party tonight, I'll take that bar of fudge out from under your desk blotter and show it to Mother.
9: <laughs>
3: Come in, my dear. I was told that you wanted to see me, Mr. Conklin. Oh, hello, Harriet. Hi,
7: Miss Brooks. Daddy has something he wants to tell you.
8: Yes, yes, I've been coerced into having a little party at our place tonight, Miss Brooks, and if you have nothing else to do, we'd like you to come. Well, thanks, Mr. Conklin, I'd Of course, you. if you can't come, we may just drop the whole thing.
7: <laughs> Daddy, I think I'll change the water on your desk right now. No,
8: no. Uh, that is, I'm sure it'll be nice to get together.
7: All right, Mr. Conklin.
3: Then if that'll be all, I'll see you tonight.
8: I'll be looking forward to it. <laughs> Dismissed.
7: I'll walk out with you, Miss Brooks. Thanks, Daddy. And next time, try the ones with the nuts in them. Quiet, girl. You know, Miss Brooks, there's nothing like a party to bring a person out of her shell. You too, Harriet? I'm beginning to like it in here. <laughs> now, the next thing you have to do, Miss Brooks, is to meet us in the music appreciation room as soon as lunch period gets here. The music appreciation room? You know the old saying, music has charms to soothe the savage breast. Yes, but I've been dating very few savages lately. Look, <laughs> <laughs> okay, Harriet, what in the world is this well, I've all I've got about... to get to my French class now, but I'll see you at lunchtime. And remember, if you want PB to eat out of your hand, you've got to cooperate, CB. <laughs>
5: S.O.S. Hiya, Miss Brooks. Mind if I walk down the hall with you? Not at all, Walter. I'm just going to the music appreciation room to meet Harriet. Don't ask me why. I know why, Miss Brooks. Because tonight's party is an everybody-who-comes-must-do-something party. And we've got something swell doped out for you to do. For me to do? You'll find out about it in a minute. Hey, here's the music room, Miss Brooks. Let's go in. That'll be all for today.
3: Well, he came a long way to practice.
2: Very clever. Very clever. I'm sure he'll make a fine musician if he concentrates on his violin and stops telling jokes.
7: Hello, Miss Brooks. Well, we're all... We are. Did you bring it, Mr. Pringle?
2: Got it right in this case, Walter.
7: Good. You know, Miss Brooks, tonight's an everybody who comes must do something party.
2: Yes, I know. And
3: I think I know what I'm
5: going to do, too. What? Stay home. <laughs> oh, don't be ridiculous, Miss Brooks. You know how well Miss Enright plays the piano, don't you? What has Miss Enright's playing the piano got to do with me?
7: It's pretty. She's coming to the party tonight, and you know how she likes to show off in front of Mr. Boynton. But we're going to see to it that you're the life of the party. Well, come on, Harriet. We've got some more arrangements to make. Okay, Walter. You just put yourself in Mr. Pringle's hands completely, Miss Brooks. That's right. If you put yourself in Mr. Pringle's hands now, who knows? You may
5: wind up in Mr. Boynton's arms later. (laughs) I'll see you tonight, (laughs) C.B. Well, I don't know what
3: this is all about, Mr. Pringle. Take
2: it easy, Miss Brooks. All the children want you to do is learn a very simple little specialty for the party tonight. Now, tell me, do you have any musical education at all?
3: Well, when I was a little girl, I played in our Girl Scout band.
2: Really? What instrument? The tuba.
3: (laughs) I didn't keep at it, though. It did something to my lips. You must have
2: started. It's a difficult instrument to master.
3: Yes, for months after I gave it up, I couldn't drink a malted without swallowing the straw.
2: (laughs) Well... What I've got in mind for you won't offer any difficulties, I'm sure. Now, this is a ukulele. It's the only instrument upon which a novice can pick out a simple tune in no time at all. Now, here, uh, just place one finger on this fret. So, now, this one here. That's right. Now, play a chord. Go ahead, try it.
3: Well, all right, I'll try. Washington at Valley Forge twas bitter cold and up-spoke George Oh, do dodo, dodeo. do do Take my lips and do your duty. Everybody called me cutie. <laughs> One
2: book. Oh, that's wonderful. Sing some together. All
3: right, Mr. Pringle. Paul Revere on his midnight ride rode through town and loudly cried, Go, do, 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 do. Shake my hand and call me Max. I've got a charge account at SAG. <laughs> Ukulele, gaily, how he strums it, bum bum bums it, dancing, dancing. Then
4: he
7: hollers, "Black
3: bottom, (laughs) crazy words, crazy tune. You'll be driving me crazy soon with that do do
4: do 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 do."
8: Miss Brooks, do. The meaning of this, Mr. Pringle? And what are you doing in Mr. Pringle's music room during lunch period, Miss Brooks?
3: I just dropped in for a melody burger. I mean, I wanted to see if I remembered something. Leave
8: this I... room at once. As for you, Mr. Pringle, aren't you supposed to be at lunch during this period? Yes, sir. I was just going, sir. Well, put that ridiculous-looking instrument down and get out. Yes, sir. Come on, Miss Brooks. Naturally. Yeah. Uh, There's grace carrying on in the middle of a school day and with a... A ukulele. <laughs> My
4: dog has fleas. <laughs> boom,
8: boom, boom, boom. Hold that tiger. Boom, 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 hold that tiger. Boom, 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 hold that tiger. Boom, boom, hold that tiger. Boom, 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 hold that tiger.
3: of the party so far, Mr. Boynton?
10: Hmm? Oh, it's very nice, Miss Brunce, but I'm a little worried. Everybody's supposed to get up and, and do something, aren't they?
3: Well, that's the idea.
10: Gosh, there isn't anything I could possibly do to entertain anybody.
3: Oh, I don't know. <laughs>
10: Of course, I, I did make a speech some months ago to my biology club, but uh, they're all men. I couldn't repeat that in front of mixed company.
3: Oh, why not, Mr. Boynton? What was the subject of the speech?
10: Well, I'd rather not mention it, Miss Brooks. It's it's a little racy.
3: Well, I'll just listen with one ear. What was it?
10: Well, it was called The Primitive Urge of the Sturgeon to Swim Upstream.
3: <laughs> That's funny. I always thought the sturgeon didn't need any urging. Mr. Boynton, I'm as nervous as you are about getting up and doing anything, but maybe we could do something together.
10: Like what, Miss Brooks?
3: Well, I just happened to have with me tonight this ukulele.
10: (laughs) Oh, a uke. I haven't seen one of those things since my college days.
3: It's really very simple to pick up. It all came back to me in a flash. See, you just put one finger here. That's right. Now this one here, so... Now try it. Strum it, Mr. Boynton.
10: All right. I'll see you... My dream. Hold you in my Don't be bashful, hold that pucker. You're the best since Sophie Tucker. <laughs> <laughs> Where in the world did that come from?
3: Brand new Boynton. Where did you go to college on the Keith Circuit?
11: <laughs> oh, hello, Mr. Boynton, I've been looking all over for you. Oh, hello, Miss Enright. And dear Miss Brooks, may I join you?
10: You have.
11: There seems to be room on this couch for three. Don't you think so? Only if I sit in the middle. <laughs> <laughs> Miss Brooks is so possessive. You don't ever want to share Mr. Boynton with anyone, do you, dear?
3: The property has only been auctioned. It is not ready for subdivision. <laughs>
7: But Mother says if anybody wants cake and coffee, it's on the table. Just help yourself, please.
10: Oh, I think I'll get some. Mrs. Copland certainly knows the way to a man's heart.
7: I like the
11: overland route myself. You run along, Mr. Boynton.
10: Oh, can I bring you, ladies,
11: something? Just yourself, dear Mr. Boynton.
10: Yes. How about you, Miss
11: Brooks? No, thanks. Not right now. Uh,
10: I'll be right back in a minute.
11: No doubt you've got your specialty all prepared, Miss Brooks. Oh, it's nothing, really. I didn't imagine it would be.
4: (laughs) I, uh, I'm
11: going to play the piano myself. That should be lovely. It's obvious from your build that
3: you've moved enough of them.
11: funny you'll feel when I get up and read this letter in Dorothy Daly's column. Letter? Yes, I've got the clipping right here. It's signed CB, and it says, Dear Dorothy Daly, I teach English in high school, but my chief interest lies in a fellow teacher of the opposite sex whose initials are P.B., P.B.? Wait a minute, Philip Boyne. Exactly. It goes on to tell how C.B. can't make any progress with P.B. at all and pleads for advice. Oh, but Miss Enright, you don't think that... Why, I didn't write that letter. I know you didn't. I did. You? <laughs> a little April Fool's joke, Miss Brooks. But of course, when I read it, I won't mention that detail. And even if you do, it'll just look like a natural attempt to cover your embarrassment.
5: But Miss Enright,
11: even you wouldn't...
5: Why, I attention, did... folks, Attention. We come now to that part of the party we've all been looking forward to so eagerly. The part where everybody must get up and do something. First, I'd like to introduce Madison's beloved English teacher, our Miss Brooks.
11: Enjoy your brief moment, my dear. I'm going to follow you on with this juicy little tidbit. What do you mean, brief moment? I'm loaded with entertainment.
5: <laughs> what are
3: you going to do for us tonight? Well, ladies and gentlemen, I thought I'd do a few medleys of songs on the ukulele, then a few recitations, and maybe a parlor trick or two. First, the songs. <laughs> Washington, the valley forged, was bitter cold, and up spoke George. Bo, do, do. So much for the songs. Now I'd like to recite for Just you. Just a moment, Miss Brooks. You've been on for over. Please, Miss Enright. Miss Brooks isn't finished. Thank you, Harriet. <laughs> Under the spreading chestnut tree, the village smithy stand. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal. As you can see, I have here in my hand an ordinary deck of playing cards. And now I'd like to show you a fascinating parlor game. Mr. Conklin, do you have a phone book I could borrow?
8: Oh, yes, Miss Brooks. There's one right here on this table. But don't you think it's a little late to phone anyone? It's almost 12 o'clock.
3: Oh, I'm not going to phone anyone. Walter, get a piece of paper and a pencil, please.
11: Okay, Miss Brooks. I think this is the most... Please,
3: Miss Enright you're interrupting, Miss Brooks. (laughs) Thank you, Walter. Now, the idea of this game is to guess which name in the phone book I'm thinking of.
4: (laughs) You start with the A's.
3: If you get a feeling that I've said the one I'm concentrating on, just call out. Ready? Go. Abbott, Abernathy, Ackerman, Addison. (laughs) Pascoe, Payton, Penniman, (laughs) Primpichek. Zimmerman Zimmerman A, Zimmerman B. (laughs) Hasn't anyone got a feeling yet?
5: Mr. Boynton, how about... Mr. Boynton, where are you? Mr. Boynton went home, Miss Brooks. He went home? When? Right after Mr. and Mrs. Conklin went to bed. (laughs) He said he didn't want to disturb you, so Miss Enright drove him home. Miss Enright drove... Well,
3: that's the last straw... You know, of course, Walter, that it was Miss Enright who wrote that Dorothy Daly letter. Miss Enright? That's right, Walter. She signed my initials, but it was her letter that Dorothy Daly answered in her column. Boy, what a dirty trick. I'm sorry you were so embarrassed, Miss Brooks. If you think I was embarrassed tonight, just wait, Walter, till you see to me tomorrow when Dorothy Daly answers the letter I wrote her. (laughs)
2: Try luster cream shampoo and be a
10: dream girl, dream girl, beautiful luster cream girl. You owe your crowning glory to me,
2: a luster cream shampoo. And now, once again, here is our Miss Brooks.
3: Well, I had a date with Mr. Boynton on the following day, and I couldn't wait to find out if Miss Enright had told him about the Dorothy Daily column. Sure enough, it was the first thing he mentioned when he came by to pick me up.
10: Uh, that letter in the paper, Miss Brooks, it, it certainly has me puzzled.
3: Puzzled, Mister
10: Boynton? Uh, yes, uh, I know, of course, that you're C.B., but who in the world is P.B.? Boynton,
3: <laughs> I thought sure you'd guess. P.B. is an old flame of mine, fellow named Paul Bunyan. <laughs>
2: we tune tuning into another Our Miss Brooks show brought to you by Carmony Gold your beauty hope, and Luster Cream Shampoo for soft, glamorous, caressable hair. Our Miss Brooks, starring Eve Arden, is produced by Larry Burns, written and directed by Al Lewis, with music by Wilbur Hatch.
1: Stay tuned for Richard Diamond, Private Detective, next on Theatre of the Mind. Time now for Dick Powell as Richard Diamond, Private Detective.
9: Here's Dick Powell, transcribed as Richard Diamond, private detective.
12: My name's Diamond, and like a lot of working people, at 5 o'clock in the afternoon, I get pretty anxious for 6 o'clock to roll around. Especially if I haven't had a client for the last three days. But even if I don't expect anyone to drop in before 6, I can't take a chance, so I stare out of my office window on 53rd Street just to kill time. I see the night starting to muscle in on the Broadway bright lights, and I wonder just how many prospective clients are out in the city. Who's getting in trouble? What kind of trouble? And will they come to Richard Diamond for guidance? Now, take the two hard-looking thugs in the downtown hotel room as they watch a pretty blonde hurriedly get into a flashy mink coat. They're going to need plenty of guidance. Where you going, Dottie?
4: I got an appointment.
13: Uh, Don't you think you ought to stick around just in case the contact comes in?
4: If it ain't here by now, it won't
3: be until tomorrow. Stop looking like a couple of anxious bloodhounds. Relax.
13: Sure, Donnie, sure. Uh, but you really cannot blame us for being a little disquieted. <laughs> don't she look classy, Al? Hey, who are you going to roll tonight, dollface? face?
3: Your grandmother.
13: Oh, ain't she out of Alcatraz yet? Hey, I don't like no cracks about my family. Well,
3: what are you going to do, Stan? People stop by the zoo every day. Not yeah. uh,
13: please, No Gamachy. Yeah, Nola... yeah. You keep running off at the mouth like that, baby, and you'll be spitting out all your teeth.
3: Yeah, well, when you kick off, Stan, don't try to sell your body to science. I'll never get both heads in that bottle. Oh, well, you love, please! I'm, I'm, right gonna, you. I'm, I'm gonna
13: hit. Please, please, please. leave us, Dotty. And Stanley, you shut your big mouth before I shove my foot in it. We're... Go on, Dotty. I think you had better make a hurried percolation. What?
4: Beat it. Down. Um...
13: Oh, Al, why didn't you let me mess her up a little? She's always acting like she's got a family background. I do not know whether her family had anything to do with it, but it is a very nice background to gaze at. Now shut your ugly face and let us start tailing her. Yeah, tailing her? What for? I think she is up to something. Yeah, well, sure she is, but I don't want to get booked as a peep on Tom. <laughs> Stan, you are a melonhead. I think she is going to try a cross. Florida has not never been late with the numbers before. Yeah. You think she's going to pick up the bundle and skip? No. I just want to see what she does with her evenings. Oh, well, I can tell you that. Stanley, please. You arouse my irascibility. Oh, I'm sorry, Aloysius. Mm-hmm.
6: Paper! Evening, paper! Paper! Evening, Glenda. Oh, hello, Horace. Times. You look tired. Hard date, the office? I stayed home. My wife's swell. Mm. Here's the times. Uh, thanks. Good night, Madeline. Good night. Papers. Evening papers. Have you got a light edition? Why, yes. Right here, dearie. You got it? Yeah, in the purse. Put it down on the counter and look through the paper. Okay. Paper. Evening paper. What do you want me to do with the purse? Keep it till I meet you at the train. Sure, honey. It's good to be working again, ain't it, Dottie?
7: I gotta go. They usually got a tail on me. I'll see you tomorrow morning.
5: Relax, we're in the chips. Paper! Evening paper! Uh,
13: Paper, sir? No, but I will take that purse. Purse?
5: Oh,
6: why, that nice young lady must have left it on the counter when she looked at the paper.
13: Please, just extend your agent index and shove it over here.
6: Why, I can't do that. He belongs to that young lady.
13: Ah, look, it would make me very unhappy to have to shove all those nice old wrinkles around, but I am in need to possess one patent letter handbag. Now, if you will kindly move at my approximate latitude, you'll bat we can dispense with all...
6: Why, you poor excuse for a low-brow gunniff. For two cents, I'd wrap a lead sap across your flat head. Well, hello, Glenda. Hello. How's, oh. how's business? Oh, Officer Quine. Aren't you on a little late?
13: <laughs> yes, uh, I've been changed to the six o'clock, beat. Well, good evening, sir. Uh, yeah, lovely. Uh, good evening, Officer. Say, haven't I seen you somewhere before? Uh, hardly. I reside in Flatbush. Well, thank you, Mother. I do not see anything I want. There. Goodbye. <laughs> he doesn't see anything he wants. What does he think you're running, a drugstore there? <laughs> hey, Al, I saw a cop. I am proud of you, Stanley. Eh? Huh? Now let us hurry around this corner. What, you think Dot and the old dame are hooking up something together? Stop here so we can watch the old dame. Stanley, to put it in your words, yeah. I think they are cooking up something. Oh, you figure she slipped the old girl the numbers? Your perception astounds even my astute. Hey, observe. Oh, yeah. Your grandma is taking off and leaving the cop behind to watch the papers. Yeah, she's going in that building. She has got the purse. Stanley, stay here and await my return. Okay, but uh, my feet are beginning to hurt. Go in the drugstore, purchase some Blue Jays. I shall be right back with the purse.
6: Mr. Diamond.
12: Well, hello, Glenda. Come in, pull up a rocking chair. Well, that's the way it begins. Sometimes when you wait around until the last minute, you get a customer. I wasn't too happy about this one because I knew she didn't have enough money to hire a trap to spot cigarette butts.
6: I haven't got much time. I've got Officer Quine watching my paper stand.
12: Officer Quine? You should be happy you aren't selling fruit. He's already got his thumbprint and every apple in Yonkers.
6: Mr. Diamond, I found this purse. Uh, found it, Glenda? Oh, you know me, Mr. Diamond. I'm going straight now. I remember a snake that said that once. He broke his back. Honest. I haven't been doing that kind of business since I got out.
12: Well, what can I do for you, Glenda? I'm broke.
6: Oh, it's not a touch. I want you to find the owner of this purse and return it.
12: Why don't you give it to Officer Quine?
6: Well, there's no money in it. And with my record, he'd sure run me in for purse snatching.
12: No money, huh?
6: Oh, no. No, I didn't touch a thing. Just uh, took a peek, maybe. Uh, Oh, yeah. A young girl left it on my counter. If you find her, you can ask her. I... Didn't touch
12: a thing. Okay, I'll see what I can do.
6: Oh, thank you, Mr. Diamond. Goodbye.
12: Keep your nose clean.
6: Oh, I will.
12: She'd keep her nose clean, all right. And a glass of gin. I'd known old Glenda ever since she started working bunco rackets and got put away for two to five. I was sure she'd lifted the dough from the purse, but I opened it and went through it anyway. I was just kicking myself for telling her I'd try to dig up its owner when the door opened and an ugly-looking mug wearing alligator spats walked up to my desk.
4: You
13: should be ashamed, looking in someone else's place. It's
12: a bad habit, like not knocking on doors. Oh, it said on the door to come in. How long did you have to wait before someone came by to read it to you?
13: May I please have the paste? Oh,
12: is it yours? Yes. Well, I didn't notice the wedges. Give up high heels? You are a very poor comic.
13: Now, may I have the purse, or must I make you bleed?
12: Oh. Oh, it's like that. Well, sure, here it is. Thank you. (gasps) And something to go with it. I caught him with one that made my arm feel good clear up to my shoulder. His eyes rolled back, and he went down faster than the celluloid collar on the flagpole. I looked at the black purse and started getting that lousy feeling again. I'd gotten into something, and it was beginning to smell already. So I called the 5th Precinct Police Station and an old friend, Lieutenant Levinson. Homicide,
14: Sergeant Otis.
12: Hello, Otis. Let me talk to the lieutenant. Is this Diamond? No, it's platoon number 3 of the Brownies, 300 strong. Now let me talk to the lieutenant.
14: What are you going to do with all those tired jokes and you run out?
12: Give them away to idiots. You want to start a collection? Uh,
14: Lieutenant
15: Levinson.
12: Hello, Walt. Diamond. Oh,
15: wait a minute. Otis! Otis! Where'd you put the bicarbonate? I'm Oh, uh, hold it a minute, Rick. Get me some water, Otis. Go ahead, Rick. I can stand it for a second.
12: If you didn't get so excited, you wouldn't have to take that stuff.
15: Yeah, Lieutenant. Never need this stuff until you
12: call. (laughs) Now, who's dead? Uh, Nobody, but there's a guy in my office lying on the floor. He's dead. He's got to be. No, he isn't, Walt. I just belted him in the mouth when he tried to get rough. (laughs) Uh, Wait a minute. Wait a minute. He's trying to wake up. Groan for the nice policeman. Oh. You hear him, Walt? Okay, so some guy got tired and went to sleep on your floor. What do you want me for? Uh, uh, hold it a second, Walt. He's getting a little too active. What did you do? Kissed him goodnight.
15: What did you do that for?
12: Well, I've seen him somewhere. I think he's wanted.
15: Oh, well, hang on to him. I'll send the wagon down.
12: The door will be open. And I'll fix it so he doesn't get away. Wait a minute, Rick. Where are you going? But about five minutes ago, an old dame hands me a black patent leather purse and asks me to find the owner. Right afterwards, this cultured gorilla wanders in and says the purse belongs to him. What's in it? Nothing much. Compact, book of matches, and a handkerchief. Mmm, smells nice. No money? No. Oh, uh, I got to stop by Helen Ash's for a minute, and then I'm going to find out what makes this purse so valuable. Say hello to Helen for me. Sure thing. Bye, Walt. Be a good boy. Goodbye. I got a rope out of my desk that I hung my socks on when I had time to wash them, and tied the sleeping goneth to a chair. I didn't know much about pocketbooks, but I knew someone who did. So I headed for 975 Park Avenue and a beautiful redhead named Helen Asher.
14: Oh, good evening, Mr. Diamond.
12: Good evening, Francis. Is Miss Asher in?
14: Yes, sir. She's in the study. Shall I announce you?
12: No, just dig up something. that will get me back on my feet. I'll let myself in. Yes, sir. Uh,
14: Mr. Diamond. Yes, Francis? If you'll pardon me for saying so, sir... I just love the way you
12: talk. Well, thank you, Francis. Eaton, 98. Majored in Sloyd.
14: Oh, oh my goodness. You're pulling my leg again. Anyone home?
3: Rick, you got here.
14: Hi. Hi.
3: Well, since when did you start carrying a purse?
12: Like it? Matches my complexion. Oh, you idiot. Take a look. Whose is it? Mm, got to find out. It's worth something. One guy already tried to get it the hard way. Cigarette?
3: Oh, thanks. Got some initials on it. D.K. There's nothing valuable in it.
12: I know. That's what I can't understand. Got a match?
11: Here's some in the purse.
12: Thanks. Here. Hmm. Adams Hotel. Flophouse with sheets.
3: Compact's never been used. My darling.
12: Well, thanks. Oh, the
3: perfume and the handkerchief, silly. It's my
14: darling. Oh,
3: oh don't look so hurt. So are you. Well, come here.
14: Here's your drink, Mr. Dam.
12: Oh, my goodness! Oh, that's all right, Francis. I was just trying to convince your boss we should take in the wrestling matches.
14: My Francis, you're blushing. Oh, pardon me, Miss Asher's residence. Yes, sir. One moment, sir.
12: It's for you, Mr. Dam. Oh, thank you, Francis.
14: I'll see if the dinner is ready, Miss Ellen.
12: Oh, you get right down here. What? Lieutenant Levinson, get down here to the station, Diamond. You're in trouble. Diamond? Wait a minute. Slow down. Not dead.
15: huh? My stomach starts getting back to normal and you have to knock some guy off.
12: Knock some guy off? I
15: don't know why I should waste time with explanations. I ought to just send Otis over there with the wagon, but I like your girlfriend too much. What are you babbling about? I thought you said the guy in your office was still kicking. What? Yeah, somebody made a punch board out of his chest and I like you for a suspect. Now get down here.
12: Wait a minute, Walt. Somebody shot him?
15: Yeah. That wasn't what killed him. He died of fright when he saw the bullets coming. I'm not talking anymore till you get
12: here. Make it ten minutes or I'll have a warrant out for you. Oh, swell. Rick, what's the matter? Oh, that crazy Walt Levinson's got me in line for a murder rap. I gotta go down and square myself. Murder? Rick? Yeah. I'll see you later, baby. But, Rick... I can't wait. I'll get back as soon as I can.
3: If we were married, this wouldn't happen. Rick, you forgot the purse! Francis! Francis! Yes, Miss Asher. Francis, Mr. Diamond forgot this purse. See if you can catch him. He's gone to Lieutenant Levinson's police station. Yes, Miss Asher, my best. Rick just has got to stop this foolishness. How? He... Oh. How did you get in here? Who are you?
13: I come in a back way, lady. Where's the shamus?
11: You get out of here. No,
13: just just relax, baby. One yell out of you and you get hurt pretty bad.
11: What?
13: Where's the shamus?
11: He went down to the police station.
13: Okay. Where's the purse? I saw him bring it in. Oh. I don't know. Oh, come on, baby. Or do I shake it out of you,
3: you? You stay away from me. You... Hood.
13: Hood? Really? Where's the purse?
3: I told you, I don't know. No, stay away.
13: Okay. But you're making it tough on yourself.
4: Stay away. You stay away from me. <laughs>
14: The red tucked underneath her arm, she walks the bloody tower with the red tucked underneath her arm at the midnight hour. Pardon me, sir. Uh, 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 Yes, madam? I believe you have my purse. Uh, I beg your pardon, but this purse is the property of Mr. Diamond, private detective. Yes, I know. I gave it to him to hold for me. Well, I'm very sorry, madam, but you'll have to claim it from Mr. Diamond himself. Oh, yeah? Help! Police! Oh, Measure!
6: Madam. Help! This man is trying to steal my purse! Uh, madam, uh, let go of my coat!
13: Is Tiger giving you trouble, mother? He's
6: trying to steal my purse! Help!
13: Oh, yes, he sir. Huh? Looks just the type. This will learn you, Romeo. Oh,
6: my.
13: Turn <gasps> an lady, will you?
8: Come on, get up and fight! Hey, lady! Lady!
13: How do you like that? Didn't even say thanks.
15: Now, look, Rick, I don't care what you say. You told me you had a guy in your office. When my men got there, they found him tied in the chair with three bullet holes in his chest. He was making noises when I left. Some guys do that when they get shot. Oh, stop being an idiot. You know I didn't kill him. Yeah, I know it, but what do I tell the commissioner? Did I let you go because you are a friend of mine? Used to be on the force? No, but you don't have to act like I rubbed out the whole west side. Well, I'm mad. I want to retire in five years, and I want to do it with a healthy stomach.
14: Yeah? Lieutenant, Murphy's got some guy out here he picked up for purse snatching. Says he's a friend of Diamond's and wants to see him.
15: Send him in. This can't get any screwer than it is already. I got a purse snatcher who says he knows you. Purse snatcher? Francis.
14: Yes, Mr. Diamond. I, I don't feel so well. That's all,
15: Otis. Isn't he your girlfriend's butler? Yeah. What happened, Francis?
14: Well, sir, I was bringing that purse down to you.
12: That's right. I left it at Helen's.
14: Yes, sir. Well, a little old lady approached me on the street and claimed it belonged to her.
12: What did she look like?
14: She had white hair and she was wearing an old shawl. I think she'd been drinking gin, sir. Cheap gin.
12: Glenda. Glenda Bergen? Is
15: she the one who gave you the purse? Yeah. then what happened, Francis?
14: When I wouldn't give her the purse, she started yelling and called me a masher. And some enormous gentleman arrived and clouted me in the jaw. It was disgusting, sir.
12: And the old lady got the purse?
14: Yes, sir. She ran off, and the enormous gentleman sat on my chest until an officer came and carted me off to this place.
12: Was Miss Helen all right when you left her? Why, yes, sir. You don't think... I don't know. But if they knew I had the purse and spotted me going into Helen... Here, Rick, use his phone. Thanks. Don't you see, Walt, this whole thing has something to do with that purse. Purse? Merse? I've still got a stiff on my hands.
14: Oh, my goodness. Yes?
12: Hello, honey. You all right? Uh, What's the matter? Hi.
3: Please come home. What happened? A man broke into the house looking for that old purse. I told him I didn't know where it was, and he started slapping
12: me. He did, huh?
3: Yes, and I need
12: comforting. Oh, honey, I've still got something to do. Lock all the doors until Francis gets back, and I'll be over as soon as I can. All
3: right. Did you get the purse?
12: Francis will tell you all about it. Bye, baby. Bye. Rick, some louse shoved Helen around. Francis, get over there and take care of her. It's all right if he goes, isn't it, Walt? I guess so. Otis, I'm releasing
15: the guy that was picked up for purse snatching. And don't say, yeah, lieutenant.
12: Okay, Rick.
14: Oh, thank you, sir.
12: Step on it, Francis. Miss Asher needs someone to take care of her. Yes,
14: sir.
12: Walt, give me two hours to find out what this is all about. Are you going after
15: Glenda? Yeah. If she's tied up with this killing. I'd better send some of the boys along. Give me two hours alone. I want to find the guy who shoved Helen around. Okay, Rick. Two hours and I put in a general alarm for you and the old dame. You know where she lives? You got a shack over near the East River. Thanks, Walt. Otis, let Diamond go and bring me a tablespoon of some water. And Otis, shut up!
12: I grabbed a cab, and 20 minutes later, I was standing at the edge of the East River. The fog was rolling in, and pretty soon, it'd be so thick you could put it in bales. Below me, next to the water, was a line of weather-beaten shacks, and one of them belonged to old Glenda. You want something, Mac? Huh? Oh. Oh, I didn't see you. Uh, Does uh, old Glenda live in one of those shacks? Yeah, that one. Got a match? Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. keep them. Thanks. Forget it. No, uh, wait a minute. Huh? Let me see those matches. Hmm. I've forgotten all about them. What's the matter? You collect them or something? Uh, these I do. Sorry, pal. You'll have to get some others. Okay, Sporty. The inside of the shack looked like a hardware store after a good earthquake. Someone had torn it to pieces, and old Glenda had gotten the same treatment. She was lying on the wooden floor staring up at me. She couldn't close her eyes because a rope around her neck was squeezing them open. Is she dead? Huh? I've followed you down. Well, hooray for you. The next time you sneak up on somebody, you'll probably end up with a skull fracture. Just wanted to see what was going on. Is she dead? Unless she can breathe through her feet. She's been strangled. Want to call the cops? No, no. I thought I'd rub her wrists for a while. here's a buck. Call Lieutenant Levinson at the 5th Precinct and tell him what's happened. Sure. Got a nickel? Yeah, here. And tell him I've gone over to the Adams Hotel on 28th Street. My name's Diamond. Good for you. Now, step on it. He left in a hurry, and I reached in my pocket and took another look at the book of matches I'd gotten from the black handbag. They were from the Adams Hotel on 28th Street, so I went over there fast. The sleepy night clerk showed me the register, and I found what I was looking for. I remembered the initials on the handbag were DK. A Dorothy King was registered in room 306. I went upstairs. Yeah? I got a message for you. Slip it under the door. I'm not that skinny. What is it? It's from Glenda. Oh,
3: wait a minute. All right, the door's open. All
12: right, now shut it and come on in. Huh? Oh, what a lovely gun.
3: Glad you like it. what do you want?
12: I just left Glinda. She's dead. What? Yeah, strangled. How'd you find me? Matches in your purse. They were from this hotel. I checked the initials on the bag with the register. DK, Dorothy King, room 306. Holmes would call it elementary.
3: You must be the shamus Bender gave the bag to earlier this evening. That's
12: right. How did you know?
3: Well, she called me.
12: She tell you she got it back?
3: I feel a quiet streak coming on.
12: I usually like women who don't talk much, but right now you'd better start talking as fast as you can.
3: Funny thing, this gun I got makes me lazy. Now get out of here.
12: Baby, baby, I got a big fat surprise for you. Yeah? Yeah. My gun makes bigger holes than yours. Huh? What do you think I'm doing with my right hand, keeping it warm?
3: Oh, don't give me that. You ain't got nothing but a big finger in that pocket.
4: Oh!
12: Surprise. Next time I make it count.
4: Wait a minute. Wait a minute.
12: Sure. Drop it. Now That's better. Kick it over here.
3: All right. Please. I didn't kill Glenda.
12: Where's the purse?
3: I ain't got it on us.
12: Well, who has? Now, look, baby, I'm in a bad mood. Honest, I don't know. That's right. She don't, mister. Stan. Well, you certainly know some pretty ugly company, Dotty. I don't know if I like that. You don't? Maybe I can word it a little different. Stan,
3: he's a private cop. He come up here and tried to shove me around.
12: Well, you should have done it, Shamus. It would have saved me the
13: trouble. What do you mean, huh? Why, well, you're no good cheap double-crosser. Al and me saw you slip the bag to that old dame, and Al got killed trying to get her from the Shamus. I didn't kill Al. No, nah, the old dame did it. I went up to the office and found him dying. He told me she'd done it. What
3: are you going to do?
13: Well, the organization don't like being crossed. I got the purse from the old dame and paid her off for killing poor old Al.
12: Now I got to pay you off. I got a surprise for you, too, Stanley. Yeah.
3: You try to think you will have more holes on you than a fishnet. He's got a gun in his pocket. Well, well look at his let... pocket, wise guy.
12: Oh, gee, I wish Al was here. He'd know what to do.
13: Oh, and
3: shoot him. Shoot him. Stan's got it coming.
12: Looks like it's a tie. No sense in both of us getting killed. Yeah. Yeah, you, you plug me and I'll nail you before I go down. Don't home. listen to him. I think he's got a point.
4: Well, what are you going to do?
12: That's up to him. Yeah, as Al would say... A hurried
13: departure is in order. I'll take care of you later, Dot. What? Goodbye, all. It's pretty good. Al would like that.
3: Don't let him get away. Stop him.
12: You stop him. All right, baby. Where is he going with that purse?
4: If I tell you, will you give me a chance to get out of town?
12: I can't do anything about that. When I leave, you're on your own. Technically, you haven't done anything the law could hold you for. I haven't? No. But that won't stop me from pushing you around. Now, let's have the story.
3: If Stan hasn't been there already, he's headed for a locker in the subway station at 34th Street. What's in the locker? $100,000 in counterfeit bills.
12: Oh. oh, baby. Counterfeit. You have been naughty. Now, Papa, we'll have to keep you on ice for the cops. Get in the closet. Oh,
4: please, give me a break. Sorry, honey, get in. Ouch, you're hurting me. Me...
12: I went down to the night clerk and told him to tell Lieutenant Levinson when he got there about the blonde in the closet of room 306. The subway wasn't far, but Stanley had a head start and he was in a hurry. I ran the rest of the way. I went down the steps. A train was just pulling out when I spotted him. He'd just taken a bundle out of one of the lockers, and as he turned to go, I walked up behind him. Hello, Stanley. What? What you got in the box? It's the shot here. You take it. Oh. He tossed the package in my face and started running for the exit. But a crowd of people blocked his way, and when he saw me come up with my gun, he changed his mind. He turned and vaulted the turnstile, and I ducked behind the row of lockers. He had a gun, too. I tried to get a clear shot at him, but there were too many people. And then the frightened little guy did a stupid thing. He jumped down on the tracks and started running up the tunnel. Oh, look at that fool man! He's jumped down on the tracks! Stanley, come back here. You can't get anywhere that way. Are you said it, Mac. He's running uptown on the downtown side. Here's a corny line. Stop or I'll shoot. You won't get me. Stan, look out. There's a train coming. Look
4: out.
14: No! Oh, Mr. Diamond. Come in.
12: Hello, Francis. Is Miss Asher all right?
14: She's better, sir. She's lying down in the study.
12: How's the jaw?
14: Oh, I feel better, sir. This ice bag is helping the swelling. I'll be in the pantry if you need me, sir.
12: I'll try not to. Hi. Hi. Well, poor little baby. Yes.
3: Poor little baby.
12: You're lucky he didn't mock you up. Oh, I'll get it. Francis is nursing his face.
14: Asher your residence. Let me talk to Diamond if he's there. He is. Rick? Mm-hmm. Now you listen to me. I've been chasing your conquests all over town. I end up down in the
12: subway station and notice gets stuck in the turnstile. Don't you think it'd be nice to let the police department in on something once in a while? Oh, sure, sure. Right now I'm at 975 Park Avenue nursing a beautiful redhead back to health. Oh, did you find the blonde in the closet? Yeah, I got the whole story from her. You want to hear it? I guessed most of it. She was fencing for a counterfeit ring as she tried to cross them. The key to the locker was in that purse.
15: Yeah, in the compact under the pancake makeup. She and old Glenda used to do a duet together before they both got sent up the blonde got out, she started working for a counterfeit mob. They'd stash the dough in different subway lockers around town and used her to make the contacts.
12: So she figured she could use the 100000 Well, nothing like being in business for yourself.
15: She was afraid to pick it up herself,
12: so Ricky. she stuck the first to Glenda like she'd just forgotten it. Ricky. Yes, dear? Are you listening to me? I just stopped. Bye, Walt.
3: What? Now, wait a...
12: What is it, baby?
3: I want some sympathy. Sure,
12: sure. What would you like, lover? Sing something. Oh, come on, baby. We can do without that.
3: No, I want you to. I'm sick, and invalids should be pampered.
12: Let me rub your head or something. Mm, Afterwards. I want you to sing. Oh, but it's late, baby. then
3: sing softly. Sing me to
12: sleep. Oh, honey.
3: Get mad, and you'll have to buy me a present.
12: Ah, okay. Lullaby and good night. With roses be dyed. Oh, that's wonderful. With lilies be Hey, you, you the boy is here, consuls! Shut up, I'm trying to sleep! Well, what is that?
3: Oh, it's that grouchy new neighbor.
12: Oh, it is, huh? Mm-hmm. Hey, you want something, bud? Yeah, shut your big bezel! Oh, is that right? Out of your face with sunshine Oh, no! Put on a great big smile Make up your eyes oh, with laughter He's old... Rick uh, Okay that Guy gets shell-shocked if he fried potatoes Rick What is it, baby? Come here Oh You do need pampering
9: You have just heard Richard Diamond, Private Detective, starring Dick Powell. Helen was played by Virginia Gregg, Lieutenant Levinson by Ed Begley... Also in our cast were Wilms Herbert, Betty Lou Gerson, Jane Morgan, Jack Crucian, I Averbach, Herb Butterfield, and Wally Mayer. Music was under the direction of David Baskerville. Richard Diamond is written by Blake Edwards and directed by William P. Rousseau. Now, this is Eddie King inviting you to be with us again at the same time next week, when we will again bring you Dick Powell as Richard Diamond, Private Detective. This program has come to you transcribed from Hollywood. This is NBC, the National Broadcasting Company.
1: Thank you for listening. I hope you'll be with me next week as I uncover more gems from the golden age of radio. Thanks to Joel Schoenwell and Paul Stringer for technical support. The executive producer for Theatre of the Mind is Moses Neimer. I'm Frank Proctor. Have a wonderful weekend.